morning, everybody. Welcome to New Hope Church. Right now is the time we get to continue to worship Christ in the forms of tithes and offerings. So if the ushers would kindly prepare. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I'm trying to improve in my life, in my prayer life, is, yeah, is, is to pray with more fervency. In James chapter 5, verse 13, it says, The effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So, kind of reminds me of uh, my good friend, uh, Matt, Matt Kitchen. He's, he comes to this church. He loves to surf. He surfs, he's, pr he's probably surfing right now, yeah, I think. But anyway, one day, he kind of drifted too far from shore. And, you know, it was kind of far. And all of a sudden, from a distance, he sees this shark, big shark swimming towards him. And he looks at the shore. man, that's too far for me to make it, you know. So he starts praying. But not just any regular prayer. He starts praying fervently because, you know, when we're in life and death situations, you know, we pray with passion and intensity. So he began to pray. He says, dear Lord, you know, I don't like this shark bite me today. You know, Lord, please at least make this shark be a Christian, you know. So anyway, he prays. He finished praying. couple minutes, the shark is just circling him on the board. All of a sudden... The big shark pops his head up right in front of Matt, puts his two fins together and says, Thank you, God, for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> not so true story. Not so true story. Not so true story. Anyway, in Acts chapter 12, uh, we, Peter is thrown in prison just for preaching the gospel. He's shackled and thrown in jail. But the angel of the Lord appears, his chains fall off, and he walks out of the prison cell. Why? Because it says in verse 5 of chapter 12 that the people, people were lifting up fervent prayers to God. So, as we pray for the offering this morning, even though I'm going to be doing the speaking, if you guys, I would just want to invite you guys in your heart to just pray with all the passion and intensity that you have because the fervent prayer produces mighty miracles from God above. Father God, in Jesus' name, we praise you, we worship you, we glorify your majestic and mighty name. Lord God, take this offering that is cheerfully given to, unto you, Lord God. Use it to bring many, many people to know you as Lord and Savior. Father God, in Jesus' name, as this, these uh, youth come this week, Lord, high schoolers, we pray in Jesus' name they would be touched and experience you in a way that they've never, ever before, that they would leave here on pa with passion and on fire for you, Lord God. We pr pray for the word this morning. We pray that our hearts would be open and receptive to pour in what you want to teach us, Lord God. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So uh, life is a process. Sometimes God takes us through things and we can't see the big picture. But God knows the end outcome. So let's watch this video. Life with God is like a puzzle. There's a final outcome and a final picture that you're working towards. Each puzzle piece that you're trying to fit together, even though it may not connect to another piece of the puzzle, doesn't cause you to give up and don't get discouraged. You don't become angry because you know there are other pieces that will eventually fit to complete the overall picture. As you connect each piece, you begin to see small portions of the final picture more and more. When a piece does not fit, it tells you that the piece does not go there. You have no doubt that there is another piece in the puzzle that will go there. So you're not discouraged. You don't give up. You keep going and you keep looking for the right piece until you find a fit until you complete the overall picture. That's how God is with us. The process that we go through as we mature and grow in God takes time. We just need to trust the process. As we grow in life, sometimes things don't work out how we want it to. But we know that God has the final picture. And if we trust the process, we know that God brings in other pieces that have yet to fit in our lives. Because he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, that's the best news is that God sees the final picture and whatever we go through, whatever snapshot pictures we see in a circumstance, a failure, 
a setback, anything that we may face, and whatever difficulties we go through, it's a snapshot picture of what God is ultimately completing. So whenever something doesn't fit or we make a mistake or, or we, we, we have some kind of uh, fallout, it's a small piece of a puzzle that God is putting together. And sometimes what we do is we look at the piece that is not connecting. We don't, we don't feel right and life is not going according to how we want it to and we give up. We throw in the towel or we get so discouraged that we feel like nothing is going to work right in our lives. But God is working out everything. We just have to trust him as well as trust the process that we're going through. We're in our series and we're concluding today called Being Shaped by God. And what we've been talking about is how God sees everything from beginning to end and how God thinks of everything. God thought everything through when he created us. He thought everything through when it came to eternity. So God doesn't miss anything. He doesn't make a mistake. We're in process, but God sees the final picture. So today we're going to be talking about that, how we can trust the process that God takes us through. So you can take out your bulletin notes, or if you use the app, you can do that. Or if you just want to follow along, we'll have the, no the notes and scriptures on the screen that will help us uh, to once again be in the Word of God and, and learn together. You know, when I think of the process that we go through and, and trusting God and how God shapes us, we do the very same thing with our children. We do our very best to help our children become more and more uh, productive. And we try to teach them things. We want them to learn. We want them to grow. And even this week with camp, you know, with our legacy camp, the goal in it is not just to have high schoolers here and that it's a, it's a great atmosphere for them. It's so that at a young age, they can develop their relationship with God because we all know that teenage years and young adult years are some difficult years for all of us as we go through that season. So we want to help them develop that relationship with God. And so I'm thankful that we're a church that continues to believe in that generation as they continue to grow up. We want to pour into their lives too because I think as we grow up, we've learned some things, we've experienced some things, and what God does is he uses all of us as puzzle pieces that as we connect with one another, as we build each other up, once again, he's forming the bigger picture of what is taking place. You know, growing in Christ or developing our relationship with Jesus doesn't happen overnight. It's a process that we go through. We're continuously developing our relationship with him. And just like any relationship, even in a marriage, you don't just get married and then that day, everything is working out and everything is perfect that you will never have any complaints with each other, that you will never have any arguments, that everything is going to work perfectly, that every morning you wake up, it's, good morning, dear. Hey, dear, how are you? Everything is going well. No fights, nothing. No, when you get married, that's the beginning of learning about yourself. That's what happens. So when two people who, are, who were brought up in different uh, cultures or in different families come together, you're going to have to figure out how this is going to work out now how you discipline your children, how you react to certain things. What is it going to be like politically? That's a crazy one. So you have these two people now coming together. You have to once again learn some things as well as unlearn some things. And when our relationship with God is first being built, it's no different. We still have a lot to learn. We have yet to surrender everything to God. And we may have said yes to him, but we still are holding on to some things and saying no to God. But that's a part of the process that God, God knows that we haven't surrendered everything to him. We may say that, but when we live our life, we're going to see that there are some areas that we just have a hard time giving it, giving it to God. Our maturity in God cannot be sped up. We cannot be hurried. We cannot mature overnight. It, it just takes time. And when we trust the process with God, we're going to see him do amazing things, even in the process of the mistakes that we go through, even some sins that we may commit. Even in that, God says, I can, I can work out some things. I can do great things in your life if you just trust the process with me. Don't give up. Don't back out. Don't bail out on me. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to work with you through the process, even though you may go through the toughest times of life, pain and suffering, hurt betrayal. You're going to go through that. And God says, I will go through it with you because I understand exactly what you're going through. 
There's nothing that you and I will ever go through that Jesus did not encounter. Everything that you and I are tempted with, Jesus was tempted with, but he did it without sin. He didn't fall into temptation. So he knows what we go through. And because he knows what we go through and he overcame every single temptation and everything that came his way, he has that power to give to us so that we also, through the process, can overcome and be shaped and, and become more and more like him as we're being shaped by God. That's the maturing process when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. I remember when I was teaching my children how to cook rice. Now, here in Hawaii, we do it different ways. We, we use the, the stove with a pot and there's a technique in that. And then you have the rice cooker. You just press the button. Easy. But to make rice, we were taught in my house that when you put rice in the rice pot and you put water, you measure it using your finger. That's how we were taught. We measured using our finger. Well, Heidi, who's my wife, they were taught to use a cup to measure how much water. So when we got married, and I, were, I was teaching my children how to make rice, she said, what are you doing? Why are you putting your hand in the rice pot? I said, no, this is how you measure the water. She goes, why don't you just use another cup? I said, because that's wrong. <laughs> she said, no, that's, that's, how you, that's the correct way. I said, that's not the correct way. The correct way is, you see this finger, this line right here? That's the line. She goes, yeah, but when you grow, that changes. I'm like, huh. <laughs> Good point there, woman. So we did it her way. We use cups to measure now. I mean, I'm the man of the house, but she knows how to cook rice. So I, you know, it's a kind of thing, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So as I taught them that, they had to learn the process of how to make that correctly. Sometimes, even in the beginning, rice was too hard. That's the worst. Like I'd rather have rice more on the mushy side than too hard because it's edible. But when it's too hard, no can do. So they would sometimes make it too hard. Now, did we get upset at them? Well, a little bit, but not too upset because we understood that they were learning the process of how to make this complex thing called rice. That's cooking. Imagine our spiritual walk with God, how complex that is. Because this relationship with God is not like any normal relationship. This one is a supernatural, natural relationship. It's different. You're developing a relationship with someone you cannot see visually with your eyes. You're developing a relationship with someone that you may not hear audibly. So it's a, it, there's, a, there's a different complex that comes to it. Because we're trying, to, we're trying to liken the relationship with God with how we relate to one another, but it is different. That's why we have the word of God. That's why we open up the word of God. This is him speaking to us. What Jesus and what God has already said, he is still saying today and will still say when we get to heaven. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when he's developing us, when we're being shaped by him, we go through the process of building this relationship with him. That's why we need to trust the process. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul the apostle, who wasn't a follower of Jesus, but he knew the laws of God, he knew the ways of God, and he was educated with the ways of God, came into a relationship with Jesus, changed his life, and then now is teaching everyone else how to build this relationship with Jesus. So he's building churches and raising up pastors and teachers, and he's building them up, and he says this to the church in Philippi. He says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Here's what I so love about what the Bible tells us, that we're, we're heading towards perfection, which means we're not perfect yet. We're just not there yet. That means we're going to make mistakes. We're going to sin. It's a reason why we sin, not the excuse to sin. We're just not perfect yet. I mean, sometimes when I look at Heidi, I'm like, you is perfect. But even still, we're not perfect yet. Only until we see Jesus face to face or at, when we get home to be with him in heaven will we be perfect. That word perfect means to perform or execute, complete, fulfill so that the thing done corresponds with what has been said or the command that has been said or the order that was given. 
involving the notion of time or to perform the last act which completes a process to accomplish or to fulfill. It's like a coach drawing on the whiteboard saying, here's the plan, guys. Here's the play. Now we've got to process this well. We have to execute it well. Well, it becomes complete when you act it out to full completion and the play is made. And that's the same with us, that God says you're going to be perfect one day, but you're, you're in process. You're being perfected, but that doesn't happen to its fullness until you meet Jesus face to face. Then you will be perfect. Until then, understand that there's a process and it takes time to go through this process because you cannot speed up maturity. You cannot speed up your, your, your process with God. You cannot take shortcuts during the process. I mean, just think about fruit. I have friends who visit me from the mainland and like we'll have fresh pineapple from our yard or papaya or mangoes from the tree and they eat it. They're like, oh my goodness, this is like the best fruit ever. Like this is way better than the fruit we have from where I'm from. I'm like, what do you mean? They said, yeah, papayas never taste like this. Mangoes never taste like this. And I'm thinking like, where are you getting your papayas from? They say, I think when they ship it, it's green. And then when, we, when it arrives, it ripens over time. And then I thought, wait a minute. The process of fruit on a tree to full completion is way better than the process of a young fruit being picked and then ripening through shipping. It's a big difference. Because when it's full grown, it takes on the nutrients and everything needed for the final result of the flavor of that fruit. But we try to speed things up because in society, economics plays a part. You have to pick the tomatoes when they're green so that when you ship it, it doesn't bruise. And then when they come into the, the, the plant, then they spray it with some, I think it's some, is it a chemical or oxygen or something? Then it changes it to red or that nice red color. But you can't speed up fruit. It's not the same. And we can't speed up our maturity in Christ. Oh, we would love to speed up maturity in Christ in other people. It's like, God, hurry up. Can you work with Heidi? Like, like, just like speed it up. Can you quick, my children, God, can you like speed it up? 17 years old already. They should be on their own. But I got to wash their clothes for them. Like speed it up, God. And we're trying to speed things up with one another. We want them to just arrive but there is a process and nothing wrong with teaching each other and helping each other and maturing and growing. But when it comes to our spiritual walk with God, that one takes some time. Oh, we'd love it if we changed overnight. We'd love it if things just changed all of a sudden. But it doesn't happen overnight. And when we're able to go through the process and, and cooperate with God, he continues to shape us to become more like him. Let's look at a couple of things that can help us as we trust the process. And here's the first thing, is to give Jesus your all, but start with something small. Just start with something small. Give, give him your all, but, but start with something small. In other words, we can say, Jesus, I give you everything that I have. I give you my whole life, but then not do nothing with it. Oh, but I give you my all. Okay, how, how are you with your time with your family? Are you loving them how I would love them? Yeah, but I'm too busy. Okay, but what about, what about you learning from me and being in my word? Yeah, I, I don't have time. See, we can say we give Jesus our all, but where have we started? We got to start with something small and then build from there. Build from the small things. And the Bible even tells us if you're faithful in the little, then you will be faithful in much. But if we're not faithful in the little, how can we be faithful in much? It's like I tell my grandchildren, when you go to eat, don't just grab all that food like, take a little bit at a time. And when you take a little bit at a time, when you're done eating that, you can go back and get more. And that's what God does with us. He says, oh, hang on, just a little at a time, just piece by piece. You grow in that. How often I see people when they come to know Jesus, and I've even done this when I came to know Christ, like, I want to do everything. Like, oh, God, you saved me. Okay, what can I do for you? I want to serve everywhere. I'll be here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. i got to take a break, though, Saturday, Sabbath. So, Lord, what else do you want me to do? I'll give you everything that I have. I'll give you all that I got. And then I burn out the first week, and I'm like, okay, God, where, what are I going to do now? And now you're dead tired because you thought that you could do everything one time. And God says, I'm not asking for everything one time. Just grow in your relationship with me. 
It's day by day, little by little, one step at a time. That's why we say we walk with God. We walk with him. It's one step at a time. See, God is more concerned about how strong we grow, not how fast we grow. It's our roots that are deeply embedded into his life. And sometimes we ask, well, why does it take so long for us to mature? And, and we will even look at each other and be like, well, that guy was a Christian like 20 years and he's still doing the same things. What about that person? And so we start judging people because we, we try to process people with our own timing. And sure, as a believer, yes, I should be growing in the Lord. And yes, I should be maturing the longer I am with the Lord. But we're all different with the Lord. Our lives are different with him. We process things differently. If you were to sit my wife and I down, if Heidi was next to me and you're, you're counseling us, and you say to me, okay, uh, download this app and install it, put together a profile, and put everything together, and then connect it to social media, I'd be like, beep, 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 done. Heidi would be like, okay, wait, what? What do you want me to do? Download the app. And her processing time to do that will be a lot different than mine. Why? Because I'm better at those things than she is. I'm not saying that in a prideful way. She will even admit that to you. It, I can process it quicker. But if that same person were to say, okay, bring your bank statements here, and I want you to balance your checking account, your savings account, your business account, and I want you to put, put these together, take this loan, this student loan, and all the monies that are going out, and can you separate it, and then I want you to piece it together and then put it in a payment plan. I'd be like, huh? <laughs> Heidi would be like, do, 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 do. okay, done. Why? Because she's a whole lot better in processing those things than I am. Thank you, Jesus, that she oversees our finances. It's just different. My processing speed with certain things are different than her processing speed with, with things. But it doesn't mean one is better than the other. It just means the processing is different. And so it is with every single person that is a believer. Our processing with God are all completely different. You can have two people in the same room who have been walking with the Lord for two years and just the processing is different. Not one better than the other. It's just different. But some, for some reason, we try to hold that over other people. I've even said this to Heidi one day. Man, this was the last time I ever said this. I said, why can't you grow like me in Christ? Which I'm thinking, that wasn't growth. <laughs> that wasn't maturity. But that's what I used to tell her. And I thought, wait a minute. Her processing with God is her processing with God. That's her relationship with the Lord. This is my relationship with the Lord. Lest we become too overwhelmed if we try to take on everything one time and take on each other's processing speed one time. You know, it was in the Old Testament when God was building the Israelites, the nation that would, were to represent God God's people, and he's saying, I'm going to take you from slavery into the promised land. And it would seem like, oh, that's a great thing. So from here, we're going to go here. No, it took 40 years. Now, there was disobedience for sure, but through those 40 years, tell me God didn't process them in building their relationship with him to get them to the promised land. In fact, this is what it says in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verse 22. It says, and the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you, how much? Little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. It's like God is saying, it's not going to be an overnight thing, lest it be too much for you. I, I, I need to... Process little by little in your life. It's not going to be all at one time because it just takes time. We are surrendering our life to God even though we may have surrendered our life to God. It is actually little by little. It was Tuesday, June 6, 1944. We know it as D-Day when the soldiers stormed the beaches of Normandy, Omaha Beach, to liberate France from German occupation, and hundreds of thousands of soldiers died in that battle, just for the beachhead. 
But in order for them to occupy other territories, they needed to take that beachhead. They needed to take that beach. That small little portion of northwestern France was so incredibly important to liberate France. But it was little by little that they were able to do that. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It was little by little. And for, for our lives, when Jesus comes in, it's just the beachhead. It's just a small portion. And then from there, he, he goes into other areas of our life that we start to surrender to him. And as we start surrendering to him, as he takes over little by little, we're able to build the strength, the wisdom, and even the capacity to grow in him and then to sustain all that he is changing in us. And as we grow in him and as he, he builds that sustainability in us through him and his strength, we become more and more the person he created us to be. Because you and I can only surrender as much as we understand at the moment. As we grow in him, we understand more and more. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 tells us, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And this is Jesus speaking. When Jesus speaks this, it, it makes sense that if he knocks at the door, that Jesus is a gentleman, he's not going to kick it down. So we welcome him in. But notice what Jesus doesn't do is he doesn't say, uh, open the door of your, uh, of your life and then I will come in and I will dine with you and then I'll check out your rooms. Because I want to know what's, what's in that room, what's in that room. Well, there's a closed door there, so I'm going to enter that room. I'm just going to go in there. No, when we surrender our life to God, when we open our hearts from his knocking and him knocking on the door of our hearts, we let him in, we still have other rooms in our heart that we just don't want God to be in. And for whatever reason, maybe we've been hurt. Maybe we don't trust God 100%. Maybe we're, we're reluctant because maybe another believer hurt us and we don't know how to build our relationship with God because if we give him everything, what if he hurts us? And so we have some locked doors. Oh, Jesus, you can come into, you can come into the dining room. The dining room is safe. All we're going to do is eat there. And we're just going to hang out for a little bit. But as you get to know Jesus... After a while, you begin to trust him. And as you begin to trust Jesus in the dining room, then it's like, hey, Jesus, you can, let's go in the living room. Let's go hang out in the living room. Let's go, let's go in there. It's okay. And you may even have a messy living room in the heart because isn't it true that we explain things to people when they, when they pop up at our house unexpectedly? It's like, oh, come inside, but I was just in the middle of cleaning, so everything's a mess, and don't worry about they got the pillows on the ground, and my kids just left, so all their clothes is on the ground. Like, we got to explain things. We close doors. Like, oh, no, no, don't, don't, don't go in that door. It's, it's a mess. It's, I, was clean, I was in the middle of cleaning. So. And we do that because we don't want people to see our mess. And so with Jesus, we invite him into other rooms of our life, but we're still feeling a little uneasy because I don't, I don't want you to see the real me because it's, it's, it's dark and it's, it's, it's bad in there, God. And here's what is so great about God. He knows that and he still says, I want to come in and dine with you. I know every room in your heart. But I, I'm not coming in so that I can tell you, okay, you got to clean that room, you got to clean that room while oh, that room is messy. He comes in and he says, how are you doing and, and, and I, I just want to love you. Yeah, but what about the other rooms? Doesn't bother me. I died for every single thing you ever go through, everything that you have done. Those dark places in your heart, paid for. Paid for. Those sins that you're trying to hide from me, done deal, gone. Paid for them. They're gone. So you actually have locked doors to clean rooms. But our fears stop us from opening and exposing those doors to Jesus. Those are hidden potential rooms. And we've listened to the lie of the enemy. And he says, don't expose that. People will not like you. They will not love you. And Jesus says, I like you and I love you. Even with those closed doors. So whatever we surrender to Jesus, it'll start small. And you may have to unlock some doors here and there, little by little, but trust the process that Jesus is taking us through. Here's the second thing that we can learn. Become more like Jesus. Just become more like Jesus. 
Don't try to become like another person. I mean, it's good to learn from one another. And especially don't try to become like a pastor that, oh, the pastor has everything together. Honey, look at their marriage. Our marriage should be like theirs. No, we should be more like Jesus. That's the whole point of God shaping us. It's to make us more and more like Jesus. That's the goal. And following Jesus doesn't mean you look for him in the context of, okay, how do I follow Jesus? No, following Jesus doesn't mean you look for him. Following Jesus means you look more like him. That's the difference. And when we follow Jesus, there's, there's, a, there's a goal, there's a picture that God sees. It's the pieces that God puts together for the final picture of us becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And even though a puzzle piece in our life may not fit at that time, maybe we made a mistake, maybe it's just not the right picture right now. It's okay. There's another piece that actually fits there. And throughout life, we're going through life trying to fit these things together. And the more we process through everything, the greater we see the picture. But we are to become more like Jesus. Paul the apostle said it well. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, he's saying, if you're going to learn anything from me, make sure it's about Jesus. That's why it also tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, that this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Christ is our standard, not one another. We will fail each other. We will have some shortcomings. But not Jesus. He's the standard. That's why when people come to church and then they leave and they ask, hey, what's happening? Well, too many hypocrites at church. I say, well, who are you focusing on? Well, this person did this, this person did this. Right. Well, that's the first mistake. Focus on Jesus. He's not a hypocrite. Focus on Jesus. He's perfect. Focus on Jesus. He's the standard. Amen. We will be discouraged if we focus on one another. But that's the first mistake. The Bible never tells us to fix our eyes on Christians. The Bible says fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. Imagine if we authored and built one another's faith, if that was our responsibility. That would be horrible. But Jesus does that. So we become more and more like him. You know, when you put together a, a, a puzzle, when you're piecing things together, you match one, doesn't work. You put it on the side, you don't throw it away. You just put it on the side for later. And depending on the complexity of the puzzle will depend on your joy per piece. And when I'm playing with my grandchildren when they were younger, we put together a 10-piece puzzle. I mean, with them, it's awesome. They're like, oh, we got it. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, 10 pieces. <laughs> but you try a 500-piece, 1,000-piece, 10,000-piece puzzle, you put two together. It's like... Yeah! Four days it took me to put this together. You celebrate because it took that long just to find two pieces. But the journey of piecing things together nowhere compares, and the excitement nowhere compares to the final, last piece of the puzzle being put in. That's why we fight for that last piece. Like, okay, everybody, we're putting in the last piece. Okay, get the cameras. Okay, we're going to Facebook Live this one, and we're going to post this. Are you guys ready? Okay, this is a 10,000 puzzle piece. Everybody, this is a 10,000 puzzle piece. Okay, it's going in. <sighs> the whole family is cheering. Why? Because that last puzzle piece completed the picture. That's the joy that you and I will have when the day of Christ comes. That's the last piece of the puzzle. It's Christ. He pieces us all together, but we're never perfected until the day of Christ Jesus. That's the confidence we have. That's why we become more and more like him. And when that day comes, oh, the joy that we will have but until then, we piece things together. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 tells us to put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become more like him. It's to become like Jesus. Oh, we all want change quickly. We want instant solving, uh, problem-solving skills. We want, we want instant information to change, to change people to become a better family, to become a better person. 
where there's no more pain, no more suffering. We want to stay away from things that are bad and which are, it's a good thing, but we want to eliminate anything that, that as quickly as possible, which is a great thing, but that in itself doesn't mature us. Becoming more like Jesus is the process to mature us because growth takes time and growth is gradual. You can sit in front of a fruit tree as long as you want and keep throwing fertilizer and, and watering it and you can sit there and wait for a, a mango to show up. But it's going to take time. Even, th- even though you do the right things, it'll just take time. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the second part, tells us, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. I'm glad it's his glorious image, not our own image. It's his image. And we become more like him. See, we're very slow learners. Not, not in, a ne- in a negative way. It's just because we're human beings. We just process things differently. And as much as we have to, un- have to learn, we have yet to unlearn some things. There are many things that we have to unlearn. We have a hard time facing the truth about ourselves. You know, there's a study in t- today's world, and it's not just the younger generation. It's, it's, it's all the generations that are a part of the facade of our life. And social media doesn't help. Instagram, Facebook, we post pictures of the image we want people to see of ourselves. That's what we want people to see. So what is happening is when people get close to us, we, we really don't want them to get too close because they're, gonna, they're not going to see this me. They're going to see the real me. So we keep people at a distance. And if people get too close to us, they're going to realize, wait a minute, you've been posting all these wonderful things, but your life is falling apart. We don't want people to to know that if that's happening. If our life is great, great. But we try to post the very best things. Look at our family, but my family is falling apart. Look at my relationship, but my relationship is falling apart. We post the very best because that's what we want people to see. I understand that. We're human beings. But when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, us and Christ, this is as real as it gets. There are no postings in heaven. This is the realest our relationships will ever be. It is with Christ. And that's good news Why? Because even with all of our insecurities and fears and shortcomings, Jesus says, not only do I love you, but I like you. Yeah, but you don't, this one has 573 likes. Jesus says, no, I like you once for all and forever. That's the best like we will ever have, and that's the only one that really matters. When we become more like Jesus, we now can be that in the world today where people are lost and desperate, hopeless, looking for relationships, but not finding any that is real. Then when we introduce them to Jesus, he takes over and he lets them know how valuable they are. But Jesus gives that to us as believers. He says, it's you are me in this world. We're the body of Christ as a believer. That when people look at us, they should be saying, man, you remind me of Jesus. You know, at work, people say this about me, but when I'm around you, there's this... Like you lift me up, you, you encourage me, you build me up, and you know my flaws. People should be saying that about us as believers. You know, my hope is at this church is that when new people come here, they have no idea who the pastor is. That we're so loving on people that they think you're the pastor. Because pastors are supposed to be the friendly person. Pastors are supposed to be the one that's greeting people and saying, hi, good morning, But imagine if all of us as believers were the pastors of the church, greeted people, loved on people. And you do. I I see that happening. I would like people to come here and talk to you, and as you welcome them and greet them, that they would say, oh, are you the pastor of the church? Oh, no, 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 no. I I just attend. I I serve. And oh, okay. Oh, I thought you were the pastor. Okay. Oh, maybe that. Oh, are you the pastor of the church? Oh, no, no, no. I, I just started coming four months ago. Oh, okay. Huh. Like, I want people to be so enamored with the love of God that it's never about a person here. But it's about who Jesus is. That when they leave here, 
they leave here with the love of God, not a great sermon, not only such a great church, or all my children enjoyed it. Those are great things, don't get me wrong. But the greatest, the greatest, most ultimate goal is that people leave here with the love of Christ. That they understand their value because of what Jesus is doing. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15 tells us to practice these duties. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. That's the world we live in. People want to see progress. They don't want to hear about it. Now, I don't know where you are in politics. I'm not going to get into that. But what I am saying is that's where we are in our world. People don't want to hear it anymore. They want to see progress. They want to see something happen. That's who God is. God is a productive God. He does great things. And he gives that responsibility to us in this world. He says, practice these things. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. Not just words. Trust that God is working in your life. Trust that he's doing something, even when you don't see it. And the Bible even tells us that there is a season for everything in life that we go through. Just like how we have different seasons. Summer, winter, spring, and fall. There's different seasons. We have different seasons in life. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 tells us that. For everything, there is a season. A time for every activity under heaven. Some seasons are hard. Some seasons are difficult. Some seasons are great. Some seasons we go through a fall. But we get back up. See, you and I can pray for a miracle, but God determines the timing. That's where our patient comes in. Our patience comes in. Because it takes time for certain things. And there is gradual change that takes place sometimes, especially becoming more like Jesus. That's where we need to, here's the last thing, to persevere. We have to learn that. Learning to persevere, I mean, we, we try to teach that to our children at an early age. We try, to, we try to build them up to learn how to persevere. Yesterday with our grandchildren, we were doing some yard work at our house. Now, my grandchildren, they're going to be 10, 8, and 6. So they're at that age where they can do certain things. You know, they can, like I'm teaching them, how, okay, this is just me, okay? It's not like a Christian thing, okay? So if you're going to judge me, it's okay. I'm okay with this one. Uh, I, I'm teaching them how to use an axe. And here's why. Because if they go over to their friend's house and they don't know how to use it, they're going to get hurt. So I try to teach them safety. So I'm teaching them, well, not them all. The little ones have a little tiny one, but the older one, the 10-year-old, I'm teaching him how to do that. So we're doing yard work, and this is what he says. He's like, how long is this going to take? Me, my response is all day. This is me, all day. All day in the blistering hot sun, all day. And it only took maybe three hours. But they were having a blast outside. Heidi and the boys, they're like taking down trees and breaking things down. They're, they're loading things up, up in the truck. My oldest grandson comes with me to the, the green waste dump and we're throwing out things. And they're, they're loving it. In their minds, they're thinking, we got to take down this whole forest? And I said, no, we're, we're, just, we're just doing this right here. In other words, as difficult as this is right now, you have to persevere through this because Gigi, who is Heidi, that's her name for grandma, Gigi, is making pizza for us. We got Capri Sun juice in the refrigerator. We got greater things coming up than just the hard work right now. Their perspective changes when they can see the greater picture. They can persevere because they're not just going to be doing this for the rest of their life. Whenever you encounter a difficult time, we can learn to persevere because God has something better for us. He's preparing us for eternity. We're eternal beings. He has a perfect place for us. He has heaven in mind. He has a mansion built specifically for you, just you, no one else. You can have visitors, but it's your home. 
You own the thing. He gave that to you. That's his gift to you. He's preparing a place for us. Therefore, we can persevere. This island went through some crazy things when the lava, right, when the uh, volcano erupted and it, it, it produced more land. But as ugly as that season was for us and still people recovering from the lava flow, as ugly as that season is, Imagine how long it took, and that just was a couple of weeks to extend our island on the Puna side, but imagine how long it took for the entire Hawaiian island chain to be developed. But there was at one point that it was, in, it was uninhabitable. No one could live on these islands. Why? Because it was just molten lava. But you fast forward the tape from destruction to today, from an uninhabitable place to the most beautiful place on planet Earth, in my opinion. That's what God does with us. We may look at our lives and say, but there's, there's, there's nothing here. And God says, oh, for what Jesus did on the cross, your life becomes the most beautiful place for me to live Amen. because of what Jesus has done. It is all because of Christ. James chapter 1 verse 4 says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It's whole. It's complete. It's because of Christ. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we journal. That's why we build each other up. That's why we gather together as a church. We encourage one another. We build each other up. That's what the body of Christ does. Let perseverance finish its work. Trust the process. Don't get discouraged and stay there. Will we get discouraged? Yes, we will, but let's not stay there. Let perseverance finish its work. We gotta persevere. We've got to learn that. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, the prophet says this: that this vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, which is what we don't like. We don't like waiting patiently, but wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Listen, God is never in a hurry. We are. Trust the process. Watch what God does. A stream of water can carve a canyon given time. Let God do great things over time. It doesn't have to be overnight, but it should be with God. He's the one that shapes us. Let's trust the process together. Amen. Amen. Close your Bible and put away your notes. You know, the other day I was coming out of my house and here in Hawaii, well, Hilo, it's rain and sunshine, rain and sunshine. We're praying for God's will to be done during this week because of Legacy Camp. So we hope for sunshine. But whatever God wants to do, we're fine with that. One morning I came out and there was these mushrooms growing in our, our front yard. And I'm like, wow, that, that wasn't there yesterday. Then I went to work, came back in the afternoon heat, gone the mushrooms. I'm thinking, where did they go? So either they got scorched from the heat or they got run over. Something happened. It was just gone. Well, it didn't last too long. I was talking to a friend of mine, and he planted some koa trees. It's an acacia wood, a koa tree. It's from that family. So that koa tree was huge. And I said, hey, how old is this koa tree? He said, well, my family says it's about 80, 85 years. 80, 85 years old? Yep. I was like, man, that thing is, that thing is nice. And, and it'll last for some more, more decades. And I thought, you know, this tree has withstood some storms, some rainy seasons, some heatful moments, but it's still standing. An oak tree will last a lifetime. A koa tree will last a lifetime. Mushrooms, meh, overnight. I don't know about you, but yeah, we can grow overnight and be like a mushroom. Or it may take a lifetime for us to mature. This one will far outlast the difficulties than the overnight success. I pray that we become 
koa trees, oak trees, that our roots go deep down into the life of Christ so that we become more and more like him. Trust the process, even though it may take some time, it will come. Pastor Rick Warren says in his book, it's a purpose-driven life, but he renamed it, What on Earth Am I Here For? And we have it at our resource center. He says this, when it comes to the process, even the snail made it to the ark. You might be a cheetah, you might be a gazelle, or you might be a snail. We're all heading towards becoming more like Christ. That is the main goal, not how fast we get there. Would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you, first of all, for giving us wisdom through your word and how we can trust the process of, of everything that we go through. It's our life with you. There are reasons why we mature in the way we do and, and reasons why we may take longer to mature in certain areas. It's not an excuse, but it's a reason. So help us, Lord, as we grow in our maturity with you that we become more like you. That we would start in, in, in small areas. We give you our all, Lord God, in whatever way that looks. But we want to start in small areas. Help us to persevere when things are difficult, when life is tough, when we go through painful moments. We just trust the process with you. We know that you will continue to process, process us through everything. That we're confident that you who began a good work in us will complete it until the day we see you face to face. I pray that for all of us, for our families, our relationships, our marriages, and our personal life with you. So we thank you again for all that you have done for us on the cross. We trust in you. We all pray this in Jesus' precious name. And we all said together, amen, amen. Can we thank our Lord and Savior for all that he has done? Lord, we thank you.